welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm Laura Griffiths, TCT Head of Content, and this week we welcome Mark Abshire, President of the Additive Manufacturing Users Group, ahead of this year's AMUG conference, which will take place on the 19th to the 23rd of March at the Hilton Chicago. Mark joins us to talk about what makes AMUG unique, best nuggets of additive advice he's picked up at the conference, and the value of an AM event that's run for users by users. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head over to tstmagazine.com to get your free print subscription to the mag and the biggest 3D printing news series of the week delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday. For more information on AMUG 2023 and to register, visit amug.com. Hello, Mark. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you. Good, good. I'm so excited to have you here to talk about AMUG, the Additive Manufacturing Users Group Conference, which is approaching us very, very quickly, uh, March 19th to the 23rd. Um, how are you feeling right now? You're a president, so I guess you must be super busy at the moment. Well, it really does get a lot busier as we get closer. So yes, I, I'm constantly getting emails. I can't believe how many I've gotten in the last week. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry to add to your plate, but hopefully we can use this episode. Um, I really, I'd, I'd like it to be a good intro for perhaps some newcomers um, as to what they can expect from the AMUG conference. So with that in mind, can you share with us what your very first AMUG experience was like? Oh, wow. Now, now we're going to go back in time. So everybody get the step in the time machine. Uh, <laughs> the conference first started in 1988. And it's just a handful of users that were meeting together to share knowledge on, on a revolutionary new technology. And that, that new technology was 3D printing. At that time, there was only one 3D printer out there. It was sterolithography. And so it was a sterolithography user group. Now, remember, 3D printing was patented in 1986. So by mm -hmm. 1988, it was only two years old. And these people needed to meet together to discuss uh, information. Well, I didn't really get involved in it. My first meeting was in 1991, so three years later. And by then it had grown to about, I want to say, a little over 100 people mm -hmm. uh, in the industry. Today, we're, we're up, we've had numbers up to 2,000 attend uh, of just users. So it's grown quite a bit. But in 1991, my first time, uh, I was new to the industry. Um, there were people with a lot more experience, three years experience on me. <laughs> I, call <laughs> lot, I call that a lot more at the time. Uh, so um, it was really open. I was amazed how open it was and people were willing to share techniques, tips, tricks, workarounds. I mean, how many times in everyday life, not just 3D printing and additive manufacturing, do we have to deal with workarounds? So mm -hmm. That was an important thing that people were sharing, and it was really great, and it really opened my eyes. And then it kind of evolved from there. It became um, uh, uh, a lot larger in the sense that we wanted to include a lot more technology. So besides just stereolithography, we grew to, to FDM and then to really to any technology uh, uh, with that. 
So it expanded to a whole additive manufacturing user group Mm. that that we have today. And I think you just mentioned a a really integral point there with AMUG. It's all about that sharing of knowledge and being open and willing to have conversation with people and share these tips and tricks. And I'm really keen to know what's the best kind of nugget of advice that you've ever been given at an AMUG conference? Are you willing to share that with us today? Oh, Man, I've gotten so much. It would be it would be volumes. But um, I guess one of the things that I really enjoyed the most was uh, when the manufacturers used to have a, um, a class, mm-hmm. a hands-on workshop. They had their machines there to show, and so we'd have a class on how to maintain it, how to keep it clean, how to adjust, and things like that. You know, cleaning mirrors if you're using a system that has lasers and mirrors, mm-hmm. cleaning print heads, things like that. These are the things that give you the best quality parts and at the same time reduces your downtime and reduces your maintenance cost. So to me, that is the number one nugget for me was how to keep my machines running well. So we, we try to encourage our, our sponsors and our exhibitors that have our OEMs that have machines to to, to share that with our users because these are people that have already made the investment in that technology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different if you're going to one of these shows and you're just looking uh, at 3D printing and what it does, but these are people that have already made that financial investment and commitment to a machine mm-hmm. because we do only allow users and owners of uh, 3D printing equipment. So, or we try to, uh, there's always a few that sneak in. Mm-hmm. But we we uh, we try to uh, keep it at that level so that uh, we can keep everybody on the same playing field there uh, as users. So that's what makes it unique and different from a regular trade show or something like that. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember when, when I first started reporting on this industry almost 10 years ago now, and AMUG really was this event that everybody said, you've got to go to AMUG. It's so different. It offers a completely um, unique experience. So... Why do you think that is? Why why are people so drawn to it and 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 see it as this this must attend event for the industry? Well, there, there's really there's really several things, but I look at AMUG. Uh, uh, in fact, I was just writing an article, so I'll use part of that. But <laughs> AMUG is a jewel of the additive manufacturing community, uh, and with that, when I say the word jewel, I think of many facets on a, on a jewel. So there's lots of things that make it special and make it unique. Mm. Uh, we have a, a technical exchange of knowledge we talked about. We do presentations and we do hands-on training. So the hands-on training, it's not just maintenance of machines, but it's also hands-on training for applications. I don't know of many other shows and places you can go and and pour casting that was made from a 3D printed mold, something like that, or even RTV or, or uh, uh, I say RTV, room temperature vulcanization, which is uh, also silicone molding and things like that with um, 3D printed uh, masters and things like that that we teach. Mm-hmm. Now, your company may never pour casting. You, your company may never make a casting. You may only be making prototypes but it's nice to know how to do it. Mm. So if it ever comes up, you've got that knowledge in there. 
and we offer that with some hands-on training. Uh, if somebody talks about castings, you know, at least you're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. That's just one. That's just one hands-on. There's so many hands-on. It uh, like removing supports is one of them because there's different technologies. How you remove your supports makes a difference between the plastic models and the metal uh, materials out there that we're printing. So that's part of the hands-on. The other part of that facet in that jewel is the networking and the camaraderie. Mm. Once you network and you start meeting people with like interest, then you're going to uh, find a common ground. People that you can go back to and look for solutions when you have problems. And a very good example of that that camaraderie and and solution, I think, is going to be uh, a keynote speaker that we've got on Mm. On Tuesday, one of the our keynote speakers, he is a um, animator and an architect, mm-hmm. and another one is a surgeon, and they met up at AMUG in uh, 2019, and they combined their skills to come up with some unique applications for the medical industry. So you're looking at an architect meets up with a surgeon, and says, "Hey, I can help you out." So that is the kind of networking that is really an important facet of our gemstone. Mm -hmm. The, um, the other part here that I'm, I guess I'm most proud of is the army of volunteers. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. We've got 20 committees and they're all volunteers. We have no one on the board of directors that, that is paid to be on the board of directors. We do have contractors. Don't get me wrong. We do have uh, contractors out there to help us set up the expo, uh, planning, strategics, things like that. But even those are managed by volunteers. Mm -hmm. So it's unique to find a situation that people have that much passion, that much willingness to give out of their own pocket, their time and expense there of time uh, to dedicate to this. So it really is a community of, of people that uh, care about this industry and love this industry. Mm-hmm. That last facet, though, is something that I did really want to touch on with you because the fact that AMUG is, is volunteer-led and, you know, you talk about it, it being all, all, all users, though, it really is different and, and, and unique in this industry. And I wanted to get your take on uh, why did you want to become a, a volunteer in the first place? Well, it's tough. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to share some of my experience, some of my knowledge. I think a lot of people, and I, and this is my case. That's why, I, 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 but I think a lot of people fit in this. But I think in my case is, you, uh, you work for a company and you want to excel and you want your company to be the best. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you feel like you're you're not getting your ideas appreciated by the company. Well. This is an out, AMUG became an outlet for me. So, well, if I can't express myself the way I want to build this industry through my company, I can do it through the users group. And so I could contribute, express my ideas. And I'll tell you this, not all my ideas are good either. So so you got to realize that at some point in life, that not just because somebody doesn't accept your idea doesn't mean, but it does first thought so that your idea can escalate into something that is usable mm-hmm. and, and, and is uh, uh, good for the users. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's one of our, our judging points that we use on every, uh, every decision we make. We stop and we say, is it good for the user? Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at a presentation uh, to evaluate, we're looking at um, 
uh, exhibitors, uh, certain people to uh, come in and do our um, keynote speaking. It's always a question of, is it good for the user? Mm. Because we don't necessarily just want people to come up and sell. We don't, uh, sure, we, sure you, we want you to show your product, but this is a group that already, like I said, already made that investment. They've yeah. already been sold on 3D printing technology. So it's, it's not necessarily a, a sales as much as it is a customer uh, appreciation time and a customer review time. Mm-hmm. for our people a lot of our volunteers are from a very diverse uh, backgrounds mm-hmm. we have some people uh that are very skilled at marketing even though their users are very skilled at marketing and so they like to contribute that personally i'm very skilled at excel so i get to build a lot of excel spreadsheets <laughs> for us of macros and all that good stuff and some people uh, are confused by it but that's okay <laughs> it gets done and um, so it just lets us use our talents uh, outside of our, our regular company and i think that's valuable to people and just touching again on on this idea of of amog being led by by users and and volunteers you know th- these people that as you say have already been using the technology already invested in the technology these are what make up the 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 entire um like conference and i wondered if because this technology is still in a lot of ways you know finding its place in certain industries and you know we're discovering new applications and it's constantly developing and accelerating i wonder if you think that is also um uniquely important to this industry the fact that there is a user group like this where people can come and openly share ideas and hopefully use that to really push the industry forward I, I do. I think the users group has significantly contributed when uh, when our OEMs uh, come up and they ask the users, uh, some of them put together a wish list. What would you like to see on your next machine? Mm. What, what materials would you like to have? What applications would you like to see developed? These are the things that uh, push the industry and the OEMs can take advantage of that to get a, a leg up on their, I, I guess, their competition. Uh, in the sense that they're actually finding out what their users really want and they need. Uh, a good example would be, um, well, I worked in I worked in the company uh, Texas Instruments, and we made mm-hmm. weapons and systems uh, uh, work, uh, missiles and weapons. And we said, you know, this is a good technology, you know, for making our prototypes, but how can I make a casting from this? And we, we made a solid SLA model, stereolithography model, and it would expand and break in the in the casting and in the, in the framework. Mm. Well, they worked with us, manufacturer worked with us to come up with a hollow model. They called it quick cast. And that way we could ex- we could actually, instead of taking ex- expanding, it took the path of least resistance and actually imploded. Uh, uh, upon itself because it was hollow mm-hmm. and this allowed us to go to castings without without tooling so that's that's just one early application that was developed based on the user's needs mm-hmm. there's been so many materials out there that have been developed people looking for titanium in the medical industry the aerospace industry uh, looking for titanium materials so looking for aluminum all this uh, people wanting steel for structural use there's been just a huge amount um, uh, that has been brought to the forefront uh, mm-hmm. by our community. 
And and when you said then about the way um the way you build the conference and you're always asking is it is it good for for the user? How do you measure that? How do you go and find out the kinds of things that would be good for the users? There are a lot of outreach to find out what challenges people are dealing with. Um, currently, do do you kind of look to what what are the the key trends that people are really interested in in, in hearing about right now? How how do you go and really measure that value of of what is good for the users each year? We have we have a, a diversity of users. We have everything from beginner users to people that have been doing it for thirty years or more. So we have uh, a, that we have to fill that diversity. So we have some basic classes. For example, this year we're really working on a metrology class mm-hmm. so that people understand how to measure um, because it's all about accuracy, repeatability, things like that when you're trying to go into production. So. We want to put together, uh, uh, we're going to put together training for that basic use of how to measure something, whether it be a scale, uh, whether it be calipers, whether it be micrometers even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, so that, that's part of your basic. And then you've got your more advanced, or, or, or let's start, let's go to the medium uh, example here, where some u- users or some presenters will do um design for 3d printing and share their tips and tricks and techniques mm-hmm. so even though you may have been printing for a long time uh, something as simple as how you position a part can make a big difference on the quality of it and the repeatability of it uh, depending on your technology because some use heat some don't use heat they use binder material so there's always a difference in sometimes how you position a part so that's kind of your medium stage i would call it mm-hmm. for looking at, uh, at a presentation and then you've got your advanced one out there these are the ones where professors stand up and give you the formulas for light speed and how to measure laser light speed mm-hmm. okay this is way over my head and <laughs> i'm just building parts but it's good to know that somebody understands that so that when i get a new material or i want to look at a new material and i've got to know what the cure rate is on that what the binder uh, has to do on that how i have to process it afterwards these are, are very interesting too, just to know that they exist, even though I may not understand them all. And before we came on today, I was having a look through uh, the most recent AMUG newsletter, and I, I was reading your your president's letter, and you described AMUG as this full immersion experience. I wondered if for people that maybe have never been to AMUG before, if you can describe what that actually looks like when you get there. That, that's a good point. So if you've never been there, we're going to start off as, as a first timer. You're going to get a, a red stripe on your badge. And this signifies that you are there for the first time. And um, this is so our experienced users know, hey, I've got somebody here to meet for the first time. They're new. Uh, this is a good opportunity for me. Also, it lets our uh, we have a first timer meeting uh, orientation uh, on Sunday uh, or the first day at registration. Uh, on Sunday afternoon, where you're going to have all the first-timers get together. We're going to explain how the program works, explain, you know, what things they need to look at, see how they can schedule their time with our online planner. And we're also going to have uh, there with them our dinos, uh, what we call Distinguished Innovators and Operators. We have a dino award. 
So we have our dinos there. It's not just old people, okay? I hear you laughing there. I think, I think every single one of us wants a dino award at some point. Oh, it, it really is a coveted award, the dino is, but our dinos will be there at the, at the new member meeting so that they can uh, uh, answer questions, things like that, because we have, I would say, 25, we've had as much as 50%. This year so far, we're about 25% on the number of people that have registered that will be first-time people. Mm. So we're grow and and not that we have a, a a huge attrition rate, but we're growing that quickly. Uh, is like ten years ago, we had two hundred people, so we are so it is growing quickly on that, uh, and that becomes a sustainability problem for us mm. because part of that immersion. Uh, process we talk about is everything takes place at the hotel. You don't take a shuttle. You don't have to go to a convention center. Uh, so we have to get a, a hotel that's got space big enough and conference rooms big enough to handle all these uh, presentations and people at one time. So therein, it becomes a challenge mm -hmm. uh, because that's part of the full immersion. Even when we do our Tuesday night dinner, we're going to take a bus and the reason, one of the reasons we don't tell people where it's going to be is because we want to make sure they get there safely and we want to make sure they get back safely. Mm -hmm. So we do it by bus and we don't tell people where it's going to be so they can drive their own cars, things like that, because we really want to keep it together as a group. Uh, one more thing I'll mention on the first timers is they're not going to be aware of or not used to is our network lunches are very important. When mm -hmm. we, when we do a lunch, uh, or we draw numbers from a fishbowl and you're going to go sit at that numbered table where you, you got eight people at a table. Hopefully there are going to be seven people that you've never seen before. And this forces our introverts, engineers, engineers are typically sometimes introverts, but this forces our introverts to sit together and, and actually have a little conversation with, Oh, which company are you with? What do you do? What machines do you have? I've got the same machine. Here's some of my issues. Can you help me? And I've, we get a lot uh, over our, our networking lunch. So that is really a strong point for us too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember uh, my first one thinking it was quite scary to pull a, a number out of a bowl and, and go sit with strangers. But it was really, really useful in the end. I was so surprised at the just the diversity of people I ended up on a table with. There was one year where I ended up sat next to um it was a, a it was a guy using 3D printing in a medical setting and he lived in Canada, but um it turns out he'd lived right up the road from me in Chester a few years ago. So it was a, such a strange meeting of worlds to to be plonked on a table with somebody like that who turned out there had quite close connections to, to where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> and you find it unique. There's people that, that are going to know other people that you know or have been in the industry and mm. and, and, and uh, worked with uh, uh, you or are close by you. Yeah, and you yeah. didn't even come, come face to face with them. <laughs> Definitely. And so I'm so glad you brought up that a moment ago too about the the sustainability of, of AMUG and as you mentioned it's it's grown so much from a few hundred people to to, to in in the thousands now and you mentioned it, it it is a challenge how do you maintain that that spirit and that that unique ethos of making sure that everyone it's it's kept this kind of communal collective of, of sharing information and it's just for users and 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 really keeps that that um, unique atmosphere. When it comes to sustainability, there's a couple of key things. Um, one is 
building these committees has been so helpful because before when you just had a board directors and I'm talking about way back, you had a board directors and you had a couple of committees maybe, or they headed up the committees and had a few key people they tapped into uh, to, to organize this. And it became such a, a, a full-time job mm-hmm. that uh, our volunteers already have full-time jobs. We don't need to put more on them. So by diversifying into certain committees, uh, take the volunteer committee, for example, uh, they actually collect who wants to volunteer for. So we know the people that want to volunteer to be a committee. We know people that want to volunteer to be on the board of directors. We know people that want to volunteer on site mm-hmm. just just to be a uh, moderator or uh help with registration, uh, stuffing the bags that we give away, things like that. Uh, You know, they do an excellent job of just keeping our volunteers Mm -hmm. uh, scoped together for us. Now, when you go to the board of directors, these are all volunteers too. Fortunately, I retired, so I can do this full time. And that has really uh, helped quite a bit in the sense that I can do a little more, mm. a little more. Um, one of the things that I'd like to do for sustainability is to create a, a, a timeline chart that I'm working on so that each committee knows I've got, so as people revolve and we keep going in the future, people know I've got to have this part of the agenda done at such and such a time. I've got to have uh, uh, and when I say such and such time, I mean, it may be six weeks before the conference. So if we just put in our conference date, it will back up and go, okay, this is due six weeks before this, the date you got to have this out. We have certain rules in our bylaws, things that we legally have to do. Like uh, our treasurer has to be appointed 60 days before our board of director nominations have to be done 30 days before the conference so that we can uh, have an election for our board of directors, things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. So, so, Getting a timeline together for the future, I think, is going to uh, help with sustainability, and that's a task that I've taken on. Okay. I know I've only got you for maybe five or so more minutes, so I've just got a couple of questions about this year's event. Um, So the AMO 2023 agenda has just been published online, I believe, and we've just talked about some of the the keynotes. You've got uh, speakers from Launcher, Leica, Diana Calise is doing the Innovator Showcase. Um, What are you looking forward to the most? Wow. What I'm looking forward to most is that when I stand on stage, I don't make an idiot out of myself. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. The well, most. you've done okay today. So. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So I've got one vote of confidence. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, uh, but yes, uh, the um, uh, Innovator Showcase, Diana Kalis. I personally have worked with Diana. I'm looking forward to seeing her. She was instrumental in the beginning of a user group. She was one of the OEMs who would stand up there and talk about a wish list. What do you need uh, as far as a machine? What do you need as far as materials? What do you need in software? And she managed a lot of that and gave that to the people. So I think one of the misnomers uh, and what we've had in the past in our innovator showcase is we've had the inventors. Mm. Well, inventing and innovator are not necessarily the same thing. So she has been an innovator in the sense of giving us uh, the the user community what they asked for. And sometimes she would actually tell us and say, that's not practical. That's not, 
going to happen. That's not reasonable. So, you know, uh, she has stood up and said and told us, you know, where we're, where, and why it wasn't practical. So she has a history of uh, 30 years ago getting us started and getting the industry going in the right direction for users. So I'm really looking forward to seeing her at the Innovator Showcase. I also look forward to uh, our keynote speaker I already mentioned on Tuesday, which is the um, collaboration of two people, well, very diverse people that met at AMUG and teamed up. And then we also have uh, our Thursday keynote speaker that's going to talk about some of the new uh, advances using uh, 3D printing equipment but this is, um, it's, it's Launcher. Mm-hmm. It's the name of the company here, and it's Max Hot. But they are on the forefront of space exploration, I'll say, mm-hmm. because they're doing satellites and things like that, and they're really uh, developing these vehicles uh, for the future. So at the same time, while we're looking at the past and what Diana has contributed, I want to see what's going on now with my keynote speaker on Tuesday. And then I want to see what's going on in the future. Mm-hmm. So we, we really are trying to be diverse in the past, the present and the future. Mm. It, it sounds really exciting. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting to sit in on, on each of those, but that's going to be a really interesting story, especially the, um, the, the, the middle story there. I think that's going to be a really interesting collaboration. Right. Um, so finally then, can you give us some top tips for getting the most out of your additive manufacturing experience? Again, let's pretend this is going to people that have never been to the event before. What kind of things would you say to them? What kind of attitude should they go in with in order to really just get the most out of this event? Two things. Um, look at the preliminary uh, agenda. Right now, the preliminary is available. Uh, but then the final one will come out with even more information uh, when it'll be published. We'll have it on an online planner and we'll also have it in a written uh, program too. Look at your planner, decide which things we have different tracks, whether you're in aerospace, whether you're in medical, uh, and then we have some general purpose ones. So look at your tracks. Also look at your sponsors. For example, if you have a particular OEM machine on site, look at the presentations they're doing because their presentations may be an application for their particular machine that you have that you may not be aware of. So be sure to look at the uh, uh, general set tracks as well as the sponsor tracks that we have. Um, then the other one is once you go in and identify that you, and I've done this for my company, once I identified all the things that we need to see, we realized we needed to send two people because one person could not actually do it all. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my second bit of advice is you may decide that you need more than two people uh, from your company to absorb it and then have a, 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 a data dump, uh, when you get back. So two more things I want to mention real quick before you run out of time is mm-hmm. our is our scholarship out there. We have a scholarship program for a student scholarship and an educator scholarship that we give them a pass to our conference every year. So those scholarships are, are available now for people to submit. We also have, have just opened our technical competition. Uh, and, and I th- believe we're the only conference that offers something like this. We actually have our users competing against each other uh, to show their models for an advanced concept or whether it's advanced finishing. And then we have a people's choice award or a member's choice award that we have too. And those are in our uh, 
are on our preliminary agenda if you want to see last year's winners. So they'll be presenting and talking about those too. So those are open for submission. If you've got a part that you've really worked on, by the way, the best I've ever gotten is second place, but I'm proud of that <laughs> for, for, for the things that I've entered in the past. Uh, so uh, just uh, I encourage people to, to show what they can do and show their skills.